0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program, which today is being brought to you by DraftKings. You know, basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code TBPN during your sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, standard the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. You can feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, every steal, every assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now's the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, this is episode 30 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I don't know if that... Warrants an anniversary party or not, but uh, it, it's a good show regardless. Grizzlies starting their monster seven-game road trip. We'll recap the first two games of the road trip, and that was the week that was. Also, a bunch of PD's points today. We've got uh, a lot of things going around in going on, I should say, in the association. So we'll touch on those. And today's friend of the program, he is a beloved former. Well, it was Memphis State at the time, now University of Memphis Tiger. And uh, one of the all time great people to be around, Hank McDowell, who after his playing career in the NBA was over, returned to Memphis, set up McDowell Marketing, a business that deals in promotional materials. And he also uh, moonlighted as a color commentator for the Memphis Tigers basketball program and also for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is how I got to meet Hank and his lovely wife, Carol, and certainly enjoy their company and really had a lot of fun. Working with Hank, Uh, Hank, as many of you who are devoted Grizzlies fans remember, Hank had a health scare a while back, and so he stepped away from the microphone doing Grizzlies and uh, any Memphis Tigers commentary. And so he's in semi-retirement right now, still running the business. But uh, with COVID, obviously, we haven't had a chance to catch up all that often. It's been quite a while since I've seen Hank in person. So uh, we did a Zoom last week, and we talked about a lot of things with Hank McDowell, uh, talked about the Grizzlies, talked about his NBA career, talked about uh, some of the great coaches and people that he had been around. I mean, he was a teammate with Bill Walton and was coached by Dr. Jack Ramsey also appeared in the NBA Finals with the Houston Rockets against the Boston Celtics. So uh, a lot of really fun stuff that we can talk about, and we did talk about, and that will be our Friend of the Program segment for today. It'll be Hank McDowell. So uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get to that was the week that was. Grizzlies starting their road trip in Chicago against the Chicago Bulls. Grizzlies had beaten the Bulls handily in Memphis. First half of this game, the Grizzlies, I don't want to say sleepwalking. That's probably a little too strong. But the Grizzlies did not bring the type of energy and force that you would have liked to at the top of the basketball game. Uh, Game was tied at 33 after one quarter. It was tied at halftime. That's when Dylan Brooks decided he was going to take take care of business and dominated in the third quarter. Grizzlies would go on to outscore the Bulls 37-28 in the third quarter. Dylan would put up a game-high and season-high 32 points and super efficient for Dylan as well. 12 of 19 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free-throw line as well did an awesome job. Look, I understand that Chicago who was without Zach Levine due to health and safety protocols. Tomas Sadoransky was out due to illness, not COVID-related, we're told. So the starting backcourt for the Bulls, not intact. Well, they still had Vucevic, who went for 24 and 14, Kobe White. We know that he can go large. He went for 27 with seven assists. Uh, Bulls had three off their bench in double figures, but Patrick Williams, the rookie, did not give them a whole lot in the starting lineup. Daniel Tice, who was great off the bench in the first meeting, Uh, only got six shots in the air. He finished with seven points. Garrett Temple, former Grizzly, also in the starting lineup, only five points. Uh, Chicago's bench actually did a little bit better um, than most of their starters, with the exception, of course, of Vucevic and Kobe White. Grizzlies go on to win this game 126-115. to Grizzlies shot 52% from the floor. They shoot 43% from three. They are plus four in threes made. And the big story here, the Grizzlies turned it over only six times. The bigger story is that they didn't give up any points off those turnovers. I've been doing games for close to 30 years. I have never seen a team not give up any points off their turnovers. That is how good the Grizzlies were. They only turned it over six times, and when they turned it over, there was no damage incurred by their miscues. And and you look at the turnovers, three were from John Morant, one by Dylan Brooks, one by Xavier Tillman, and one by Killian Tilly. That's it. That's that's it for turnovers. And the Grizzlies with 33 assists. And the Grizzlies have only lost twice all year when they have 30 or more assists. Great assist-to-turnover ratio, 33 assists to just six turnovers for the Grizzlies. You expected the Grizzlies to win this game in Chicago. The Bulls, 10th place in the East. No Levine, no Sadoransky. Hanging on to 10th spot for dear life. May end up falling out of the tenth spot which would kept keep them out of the play in tournament. And they're trying to figure out what they want to do. they, they really, really want to force their way into the playing tournament or are they going to fall back and uh and wait on the lottery? It remains to be seen exactly how that plays out. But it was a Bulls team that played well for the first half. Grizzlies were, were even with them through halftime. But then in the third quarter, Dylan Brooks said, okay, that, that's enough of this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take over again. And it was another Dylan Brooks game then on Saturday night. Grizzlies on the second night of a back-to-back, and they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And it wasn't a, a total beatdown, but this was a thorough domination of the Milwaukee Bucks. Grizzlies shoot 55% from the floor. Grizzlies led by four after one quarter. Grizzlies increased their lead every quarter, held the Milwaukee Bucks, which is the league's highest-scoring team at about 119 points per game, held them to 115 and 43% shooting, forced 16 turnovers for 24 points. Grizzlies offensively shoot 55% from the floor. They make 15 threes, and again, a relatively low turnover number, only 11 turnovers for the Grizzlies, and guess what? Again, 30 assists for the Grizzlies. Now 19 times this year that they have third, had had 30 or more assists Last year they had 20, 30 assist games all year long. And the Grizzlies, they keep this up. They will break last year's record for assist average by the team. Last year it was set at 26.9, and the Grizzlies right around 27 right now. So um, outstanding effort. The big game here was from Grayson Allen. Set a new career high, made seven threes in this game, finished with a team-high 26 points. Giannis Adetokounmpo. It was kind of an average game for him, which is still really good. 28 points, 11 boards, and 8 assists for him. Chris Middleton struggled, only 5 of 13 from the floor. Uh, not a real strong game from him. Drew Holiday, nice game, 17 and 7 with two steals, but never really hurt the Grizzlies on a consistent basis. And the Bucks got practically nothing from their bench. They got a total of 18 points, 5 from P.J. Tucker, 7 from Pat Connaughton, 6 from From Bobby Portis, on the flip side, the Grizzlies bench, particularly the two rookies, Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman, were fantastic. They combined for 31 bench points just between the two of them. Tyus Jones chipped in eight, Killian Tilly, John Conchar uh, with a bucket apiece. And Killian Tilly, I think, showed us a lot of guts and moxie because in the first half he took an inadvertent elbow from Giannis and uh, his lip was bleeding, and during one of the timeouts, we could see that they were trying to to stop the bleeding it was right on the lip. He couldn't even take a drink of water because he didn't want to reopen the wound. And he comes back and and he plays uh, plays with some toughness and physicality in the second half. I know he only played six minutes, but it, it was impressive to see him take that elbow, come back, play, and contribute off the bench. And the Grizzlies win the ball game 128 to 115. The Grizzlies now, tying their season best three games above 500 at 29-26. and 26. The Grizzlies 9-3 on the road against the East. And it was just a few years ago. The Grizzlies literally, over the course of an entire 82-game season, went 0-4 the Eastern Conference when playing on the road. Oh, it's a very, very different Grizzlies team, and a lot of credit has to go to Taylor Jenkins uh, because this is a team, again, in both of these games. You don't have Brandon Clark, who has a bad hip. You don't have Justice Winslow with a sore thigh. And you don't have DeAnthony Melton, who is still being bothered by the sore leg after Dwight Howard fell on him in the opener of the last multiple-game road trip, the victory in Philadelphia. But the Grizzlies, and that was the week that was, they go 2-0 to start this seven-game road trip. Still five more to go. It will be very, very challenging. Every opponent, including, starting with the Bucks in the top six of offensive efficiency the rest of the way. So the Grizzlies will certainly have their work cut out for them. And that is that was the week that was. And that brings us now to Petey's points. Let's let's be honest, this Grizzlies team has really surprised me with their ability to go on the road and to go on the road against tough teams like Brooklyn, like Philadelphia like Milwaukee and be able to handle their business and it has been very impressive that this group has been so incredibly locked in on both ends of the floor that they can go on the road now I understand that the road is a is an entirely different proposition this year than it has been in years past because you're you're going into an environment where you know in Milwaukee there there were no fans in Chicago there were no fans and so Uh, You know, the auditory cues are coming from game operations for a crowd that really isn't there. And the Grizzlies have done a good job with their togetherness. This is a very tightly knit group. They're very homogenized in terms of of age and number of years of experience. There's nobody older than 28 on this basketball team. And so they have really bonded together and they have been fantastic on the road. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas produces better on the road. Dylan Brooks produces better on the road. Grayson Allen shoots better on the road. And this team has been a very, very good road team this year. And it leads you to believe that even if the Grizzlies finish eighth in the, uh, in the seeding and and they are on the road for the first of the play-in tournament, that may not be the worst thing in the world because they've played so well on the road against top-level competition. Petey's point number two, could this be the week? Could this be the week that the Grizzlies get everybody back? Uh, Justice Winslow, DeAnthony Melton, we're supposed to be back at the end of the week. Uh, I would assume that they've got to be close. And, you know, we're getting close to the end of the month. Pretty soon, Jaron Jackson Jr. has got to come back. If if that timeline that uh, was announced is, is exactly what they're thinking of. Is it possible that Jaron comes back during this road trip? I mean, the Grizzlies don't come home until April the 28th, which would really and truly be the end of the month. So is it possible that he comes back during this road trip? Is it possible that he comes back this week? And if... All these players come back this week. Boy, where do the minutes go? I mean, Xavier Tillman has been really, really good. He's earned his minutes. But if if Jaron is back and if Justice is back, where do his minutes go? Uh, Desmond Bain's minutes. I mean, he played 25 in Milwaukee. His his minutes are probably going to come down. You might not see much of Killian Tilly or John Conchar or Sean McDermott with all these guys back. It's a good problem to have because the Grizzlies, to this date, primarily because of the absence of, of Jaron they have the fourth most games lost due to injury this year so it'd be nice to have everybody healthy and maybe 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 just maybe this is the week that we get everybody back and everybody healthy and that would be really really good. Uh, Petey's point number four we're going to go out of market on this and LaMarcus Aldridge retiring from the NBA rather abruptly because of, of a heart issue and. Uh, and you know, you tip your cap to Lamarcus Aldridge, who had been a, a grizzly killer or grizzly torturer, at least throughout the years, whether he was with Portland or San Antonio. Great first quarter scorer against the Grizzlies, but you tip your cap to him, understanding that his life, his well-being, his happiness, his his relationship with his family comes beyond uh, the NBA. So I applaud him for taking the step, saying, "Look, this is this is scaring me." I do not want to try to play with this. I just need to step back. I want to have a good post-basketball life, so I'm going to step away. Totally understand that from LaMarcus Aldridge. Thought it was interesting, Damian Lillard, who is very, very upfront with with a lot of opinions, and, and you may like some of them. You may not like some of them, depending on where your fandom lies. If you're a Portland fan, you love Damian Lillard. If you are not a Portland fan, you may not like him all that much. But props to Damian Lillard, who said, look, Portland needs to retire this guy's jersey. Uh, I I went back and I looked up and LaMarcus Aldridge is fifth all time in games played for the Portland Trail Blazers. He is third in points scored. He is first in rebounding. He is fourth in blocked shots. Even though LaMarcus Aldridge did not get Portland to an NBA finals, did not get them to an NBA championship. I, I would I would take the side of Damian Lillard that, yeah, I think number 12 needs to go into the rafters at Moda Center. Uh, and, and and be memorialized and, and recognized as, as one of the signature players in Portland Trailblazers history. So, um, Damian Lillard, I'm with you. Normally I'm not, but on this case, I certainly am. One final, PD, one final PD's point, and, and this one is super serious and could have tremendous ramifications in the NBA. Uh, the Derek Chauvin case, final arguments are coming out on Monday. Uh, He's being charged with second-degree murder and uh, third-degree murder, I believe, and also manslaughter in the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com reporting that the NBA is talking to its teams, understanding that with final arguments coming out on Monday, there is uh, a possibility that there could be a verdict this week. If there were to be an acquittal in this case, The NBA is trying to prepare for the possibility, just as the Milwaukee Bucks boycotted a playoff game in the bubble in Orlando um, after the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha. The NBA is trying to get teams to wrap their minds around the fact that there could be postponements of games this week. And what would that look like? Potentially could be very serious for the Grizzlies, in terms of their schedule, they're just in any any place to put any more games before the end of the season. And if uh, one of the games this week or two of these games might be postponed, where do you put them? Does the NBA have to shuffle their schedule? How is this going to work out? But again, that's going to be dependent upon uh, the outcome of this trial and the reaction of the players and their decision whether or not they were to play. Let's, you know, saying hypothetically, if, if Chauvin is acquitted, would there be protests? Would there be boycotts of games? Uh, it's, it's entirely possible. And what would that do to the NBA schedule? Would everybody be able to play 72 in the allotted time? Or would the schedule take a hit where you would have teams playing an unequal number of games? And, and what would that do to the playoff scenario? So very serious uh, on a lot of levels, uh, societally, uh, primarily. And then secondarily, the impact that it would have on the NBA Uh, it's scheduling and the playoffs and what would that mean for the Memphis Grizzlies with them being in the midst of a seven game road trip so uh, very serious stuff that the league is dealing with right now very serious stuff that the world is dealing with right now very serious stuff that the United States is dealing with and if I just had one wish could we just stop shooting people please enough is enough and with that We will segue from Petey's points into our friend of the program in a moment. But first, we want to ask you if there was one thing that you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if that answer is yes, here's your chance, because the Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement and become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message is brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. Framing consultations are being done now by appointment 901-685-7796. That's Garner Framing Company, 901-685-7796. Chris Garner and his crew will do an amazing job with your framing project. I absolutely promise that you will be thrilled with the job that they will do, and we appreciate their support not only of the Grizz Weekly Grind, but also of the Memphis Grizzlies Charitable Foundation and all the wonderful work that they do with mentoring in the Memphis community. Before we get to our friend of the program, uh, if you have any thoughts on uh, this podcast, feel free to drop them uh, with a comment or a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, This podcast is available pretty much everywhere, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us some comments. Let us know if we're on the right track. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer in a future episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind, my DMs are open at Pete Pranica, P-E-T-E-P-R-A-N-I-C-A. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, just, uh, just let me know, and we'll deal with them in a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Which brings us to today's friend of the program. Hank McDowell played basketball for what was then Memphis State, now known as the University of Memphis. Went on to an NBA career with multiple teams. After his playing career was over, returned to Memphis, set up McDowell Marketing, which he runs with his wife, Carol, and they specialize in promotional items. So if you need T-shirts or jerseys or pens or any type of promotional item, Hank McDowell is your guy. So, uh, Hank, you got a free plug there. Uh, Hank McDowell just one of the all-time good people to be around, and I had the good fortune to work with Hank on some Memphis Tigers telecasts and also some Grizzlies broadcasts as well. Wonderful guy, great company, great travel companion, and we still laugh about the day that we're in San Antonio. And one of the traditions in San Antonio, because we stay downtown, there is a Ruckers hamburger restaurant nearby, and uh, they ask for your first name, and Hank made his order, and uh, we're waiting on the order, and all of a sudden, over the PA, comes... Honk, your order is ready. Honk, your order is ready. So therefore, he has been known as Honk when Brevin is not calling him Big Bank Hank because of uh, how well his business is doing. In any event, it it was great to catch up with Hank. Have not seen him in a long time, obviously due to COVID. We talked about his health, talked about his NBA career, uh, and some of the uh, signature personalities he met during his time in the NBA. It is Hank McDowell, today's friend of the program. (music) So Hank, it's it, it's been a while uh, since you stepped away from the microphone, and I know that uh, a couple of years ago, and and you made no secret of this, that you had a health scare. So first of first off, how's your health?
1: Uh, everything right now is doing really well. Um, it was September of nineteen. I had uh, what's commonly called a brain bleed, and uh, just as commonly, I could have uh, passed away. It was very close, very close um that recovery took a little while that's really what led me to um, step away and retire from broadcasting uh, a little bit because it was just kind of felt right and a little bit because um, it, it has affected and still to a point affected my speech a little bit um, nothing drastic anymore but it, it's gotten a lot better um, but to, to to make it even better, Easter weekend I had a kidney stone. Yeah, <laughs> I if know. I, I know that one. I know.
0: I know that feeling three times over, and it is <laughs> never, ever, ever any good. Oh my word! I am
1: so glad that I lived for that one because <laughs> <laughs> that, that is hard, man. That that is not right. Do why that one came into being, I have no clue. But I will start uh, drinking less iced tea and less coffee and more water. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Staying hydrated is very, very, very important. And I don't know that I've ever really learned my lesson from that. <laughs> um, so you've been watching the Grizzlies from a distance. Uh, yes. Not 24-7, 365, but kind of from your viewpoint, What what have you seen with this basketball team so far?
1: I, I tell you what Pete. Um, the, the first thing I notice is a how hard they play. Um, do they make mistakes? Yes, they do. Are they have uh, some some missing pieces? Yes, they do. Um, but all in all, Taylor Jenkins and, and his staff have done, I think a very good job of molding this team, um, allowing each player to, to grow, and feel comfortable with a green light, let's just say on offense, as long as that's in their wheelhouse. In other words, if it's in your area, fine. Other than that, you do what you're supposed to do. Uh, A couple of players, uh, Kyle Anderson come on up shooting three-pointers this year, JV shooting three-pointers better. Um, The game has just turned that way. There's no denying it. There's no getting away from it. Um, But the staff, I think, has done a great job defensively, we're good. We're not great. We we try hard, but we just I don't think had that have that athleticism to really be a swarming defensive team. I, I, I love the, the way they look. Um, and obviously, your, your two key players John and Ja and JV are just playing phenomenal basketball, along with a bench that's supplying a good punch.
0: Yeah, and you look at a guy like Desmond Bain, who was billed as basically a three-point yeah. shooter. But, Hank, I, I think he's got a variety to his game and a well-roundedness to his game that is impressing. I, I know it's impressed me and Brevin. I, what, have, what have you liked about Desmond
1: Bain's game? Desmond Bain and Grayson Allen. I mean, you, you you almost have to talk about them both because, one, Grayson Allen, you were hoping you would get to what we're seeing now. Desmond, you're going, okay, will he be here in a year or two? I mean, you yeah, know, he's not what, nine points, 10 points and 46, 7% from the three point line. Not that I keep up with that stuff, Pete, <laughs> 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 but, but you're, but you're on point, <laughs> but, but but it's one of those things you, you just look at and, and the, the guy came in. He's so smooth. He does not get rattled. He's got a big body. He can shoot the three obviously, but he's a good passer. He's unselfish. Um, you know, I've seen him a couple of times, as we've seen Grayson Allen, after we've seen JV, uh, you know, pass up a three. You're thinking, shoot it, pull the trigger, and they give it up because the next guy's got a more comfortable space. And, and that's the things that you look for in players. He's not just out there to shoot every shot. If he needs to, shot clock's running down, he's comfortable. If he's in the, in the walk-in three, he's going to shoot it. Uh, in the offense, though, I love the way he passes, moves, and gets finds a spot, or jaw finds him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to circle back to something. You know, you were talking about Taylor Jenkins and the job that he has done. I, I mean, obviously, you played college basketball at a high level at, at, at Memphis, and then you played in the NBA. In your experience, what makes a really, really good head coach from a player's perspective?
1: Well, everybody, especially players, think that a head coach that was a player is is the way it should be. I'm not so sure. I had Jack Ramsey. Pretty good coach.
0: Dr. Jack, I,
1: absolutely. I mean, pretty doggone good coach. It started with Al Adels. Obviously, uh, that guy, man, if you just heard his voice from around the corner, you might turn and go the other way because he's just that kind of voice that just is, is, means authority. Um, love playing with him. The one thing that most player coaches do is they understand you're not going to get every loose ball. You're not going to get every rebound, but if you don't try, we've got a problem. And and that's, that's how it is specifically done with player coaches. And, and, And you turn it around and then you get into philosophies and you get into, say a younger generation of coaches now who understand They're not far removed from this game, this three-point game, whereas older coaches have to step back. They have to evolve. They have to listen to other people to get them to say, look, I love a seven-foot center who can score in the paint, but we need to surround him with shooters. And and, and that's that's where it is, in my mind. Uh, A coach is willing to listen but also gives his players, which is something this staff has obviously done really well, is to make the players feel comfortable on the offensive end because we have to score points obviously to win our defense is good but not great but you know 113 115 points a night that'll get something done
0: yeah and what i like about taylor jenkins is that he has taken the san antonio philosophy where the players are they're, they're more than players to him they're real people and shows that he cares about them over and above what they can do on the basketball court and i think that that element of connection it's it's part of the reason why people are so incredibly loyal to greg popovich i mean there are people in the front office people in the media relations department with the spurs that don't want to leave because pop is still there and, and probably will stay there until until pop finally decides to uh, to call it quits let's change uh, gears a little bit here as we visit with hank mcdowell our friend of the program today on the grizz weekly grind uh, memphis uh disappointing did not make the ncaa tournament but then penny and the boys were able to win the NIT championship. What did you think of, of their season and the fact that uh, even though they had the disappointment of not making the NCAA, they were able to rebound and, and put together a real strong NIT?
1: Well, anytime you can barely miss, you know, the big dance and, and go to the NIT and you accept that invitation with the knowledge that you've got to turn your players' minds around. Hey, fellas, we're building something here. We came up short on this, and gosh knows we make a few more free throws in two games against Houston, it's different. Gosh knows if we start the season out differently, it's probably different. The the last half, last three quarters of that season was really, really good, as far as I'm concerned. The, The team turned around, became one, played well together. The defense, a lot of times, was really good. The defense, I thought, in the two Houston games were good. The defense in the NIT tournament was, was very good. Um, offensively, the players seemed to come together. There's still no clear leader, no one guy you could count on. It's always good to have four or five guys who might put up 20 for you, but it would sure be nice to know if you had one that was going to do it quite a lot. Um, but it just didn't happen. You know, uh, Boogie Ellis, I thought at the beginning of the year, might be that guy. And it just kind of faded. Then he came back and started starting again because of an injury. And and it's one of those things that I just look at and go, the NIT is, is a great opportunity to build. And and I think the Tigers and Penny did that. Uh, there's no shame in it. You just came up short in two pivotal games against the best team in the league.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a good point about, about leadership. Now, again, obviously you played for the Memphis Tigers. You played – uh, Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors, Milwaukee Bucks. Am I missing any teams?
1: Uh, there would be a stop in Portland for a little while, a year or so, right. and San Diego Clippers. That's how old <laughs> San- I <laughs> am. Not the Conquistadors. but
0: <laughs> No, no, not, not, not the Mighty Qs. Um, so, when, so when you were playing, and I, I'm intrigued about leadership on – team situations because the Grizzlies right now the Grizzlies are the only team that do not have a player older than 28 okay so there's no Vince Carter there there's no Jake Crowder there to be the old guy in the locker room who has seen a lot and done a lot how does leadership bubble up in in an NBA team and and you know, going along with that, who would be a good player leader that was one of your teammates that you really respected. And when he said, we, we do this, you followed immediately.
1: Well, I can almost look back. I've never been asked that question. I can almost look back to every team that I've played for. Uh, You're going to think this is really a crazy thought at golden state world. Be free was my mentor. World Free Free, for some reason, took me under his wing and uh, helped me personally kind of see things differently in the NBA, along with John Bach, one of the assistant coaches. Um, But World Be Free, and that was on a team with World, Bernard King, Purvis Short, Joe Berry Carroll, on and on and on, a very good team. Um, I can remember in the locker rooms, being a rookie with the Golden State Warriors, being amazed and listening to the vets talk. And, and most of those guys have been in the league, you know, four or more years, the guys that I just mentioned. And so to listen to them and listen to Al Adels and all his experience were wonderful. Then I go to uh, Portland and I got Jim Pax, I got Michael Thompson, I got Kenny Carr, I got Jack Ramsey. It's just on and on and on and on. And you, you just absorb a lot of things going in. There would be times when I would speak up about a particular player, like we're going through the locker room and, you know, what would you do against this player? Or what do you remember that player? But for the most part, to listen to those vets, San Diego Clippers, I had Bill Walton as a teammate, Greg Kelser.
0: And Bill probably had a lot to say.
1: And when he showed up, he had a lot to say. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> I was the only player I ever played with in my entire lifespan that never practiced. He just came to games.
0: Oh, and the, the coaching background. staff let him get away with that?
1: Well, his he was Bill Walton? repaired ankle and you know and all that. So it was one of those why well, put pressure on it now, let's just do it during the game. And and he showed up every game. Nah, it, I, I can no. go through, you know, the, the players and the leadership part of it. Um there were there were guys because of their stature, not on the team, not their size of their body or anything else. That yes, and they didn't have to be starters. Uh, sometimes uh, Darnell Valentine, with mm-hmm. Portland, a quiet guy, you wouldn't think he'd say anything, but every once in a while he'd say something that was dead on important, and the whole room listened. Things like that. They just they just happening in locker rooms and. You know, a lot of times it takes a guy with four or five years. Kyle Anderson would be that guy. J V would be that guy right now. But you know, Kyle's got a lot of playoff experience. So I, I would like to think his voice carries some some weight in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just that you don't have you don't have that that old guy. Now I'm curious about Dr. Jack because certainly enjoyed him working with the late great Jim Durham uh, on ESPN radio. Give us give us a good Dr. Jack story because he just seemed like a fascinating guy. Because deep into his eighties, he would go out swimming in the ocean, and he was a fitness buff, and he was, and 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 ate his vitamins, and he was all all about fitness and all that. What what, what what's a good Jack Ramsey story?
1: I can tell you that one time uh, in, in a game, I joined them late in my second season. Had been released by Golden State, and Portland picked me up. And was having a fine time. Jeff Lamp, Peter Verhoeven, Michael Thompson, Kenny Carr, a bunch of good players. There are no behind the time. And uh, I was in the game, and I took this shot. And I didn't think it was a bad shot at all. I mean, you know, playing about 10 minutes a game, I think, at that point. And I took this shot, and (laughs) horn blew. And I came out, and he goes, you know, remember how he used to put his hands on, like, the player's waist? Especially a taller player. Right, right. Got to put his hands on my waist right there. And he goes, I've got two guys out there. One's Jim Paxson and one's Michael Thompson. Let's look for them. <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, Well, there went my confidence right out. Okay. okay. But it, I, I understood the message. Michael, I can still see it in my head. Michael Thompson was in the low post with a hand up, and I took a shot.
0: <laughs> hey you only play 10 minutes 10 minutes a game i mean you know shoot, you gotta shoot. go
1: pete i like your attitude <laughs> yeah I, I ain't got time for that coach i didn't see him
0: <laughs> which what was your favorite nba stop because i mean you know golden state you're you're in the bay area which is pretty cool the pacific northwest with portland what, what was and, and then san diego i mean what did you have a favorite stop in uh, in your nba life
1: Let, let's put it this way i didn't have a bad stop let's i mean san diego was just Remarkable as far as the weather. We were a horrible, horrible team. Um, uh, As a matter of fact, we were so bad that one time we showed up for practice and the the front brass, uh, the office came in before practice. Some people were getting their ankles taped and things like that. And they came in and said, Fellas, we want to take y'all to lunch. We want to relax and talk to y'all. They had limousines outside. Me, Bill Walton, and Norm Nixon got in a limousine, went down to Newport Beach, I think it was. No, not Newport. Um, ah, Beach area in San Diego. Took us to the restaurant right on the beach. Great lunch. Told us, look, no pressure. We just want to win 30 games. We won 29. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you're close. I mean, I mean that, that was the kind of stuff back then. It was like, hey, let, let's get something done. Uh, best off, I mean, I, I'd almost have to say, I mean, I love Golden State. That's back when the 49ers first came on and the, the whole area was crazy. Uh, we were good. Uh, not great. Very good, though. Um, Houston Rockets. I, I have to. The Houston was like a New York City on cowboy boots. Um Ralph Sampson, Akeem Elijah Juan. We went to the championship game in 86 um, against Boston Celtics. Um, those were just good years. Uh, Jim Peterson was a teammate, Craig Elo, teammate, Robert Reed, Allen Level, Lewis Lloyd, Mitchell Wiggins. I mean, it just went on and on with good players that came together. You know, one lucky shot uh, and, uh, against the Lakers, you know, put us in it. I mean, that, that, I'm, I'm sorry. You 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 can say it was a good shot, but it was. <laughs> yeah. Rob Sampson did what he had to do, which was catch it and get it up, and got a good bounce. And that, that's how we made it to the championship.
0: Got a very very fortunate bounce. That I remember, was a I, kind I, bounce. I remember. I think it was a Friday night. If I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, and seeing that on national TV, and that was that was really quite something. Um, you and your wife Carol, you have how many grandchildren are you up to now?
1: Well, we've got two granddaughters, uh, Lila, which is my son Patrick's daughter. She's about three and a half now, and and Livy Joe, who is Jake's uh, first daughter, she's about a year and a half now, toddler running around. You know you gotta play a zone against them now. Um, so it, it's it's really kind of fun. and it's Tuesday, Pete. It's Tuesday with Lila and Livy Joe. They stay here on Tuesdays. and and so that, that's kind of what uh, my life has slowed down. Not fully retired from my business and ad specialty and and McDowell marketing, um, but slowed down uh, the COVID helped that and and a step backwards on my part um, to the point where where we can do this if we want to. We can just take a day and say, this is for the family and then, hey, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So it's all good. Yeah.
0: Certainly miss having you around the Grizzlies. Although, honestly, uh, I just played golf today with Eric Hasseltine. I had not seen Eric in person since I can't even remember when because they're broadcasting games on radio from a suite way upstairs and and we're elsewhere and everybody's separated and so it's just been yeah it's been very very difficult and I know obviously we have we haven't been spending time face to face and uh, we all miss you but even though you're not doing the games anymore you are always a big part of our our Grizzlies broadcast family and it's really really good to catch up with you
1: you know what pete uh it's it's one of those things between retiring and then the covid part of it uh that made it easier um the 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 separation, as you say it um, on my end, I was thinking about it earlier today, the separation, the missing of my friends, our group, back of the plane, we call it, uh, it, it, will never go away. It will never go away. The game has slowed down for me. You know, like I said, I, I watch on TV. I would like to come to the arena. But, you know, right now I'm just not sure that that's the best thing for me to do, even though I've got two shots.
0: Congratulations. Uh,
1: I've got at least a shield up anyway so uh, it, it's it's one of those things that, that I I miss our group uh, yeah if I said daily I wouldn't be lying um, but at the same time uh, when I realized that I'd been involved with basketball for 50 years uh, coaching broadcasting and playing I just said that's good I'm good
0: yeah well you have well, had a lot of wonderful experiences and one of the one of the things that I tell people about broadcasting is that it's great because we get to watch the world's greatest athletes do amazing things. In many buildings, we get to sit courtside, at least we did pre COVID. Um, but it's the people that you meet. And, sure. and you talked, you talked about your teammates and you talked about your coaches and then the colleagues that you have in the, in the broadcast arena and guys like Jim Peterson, who are also broadcasters for other teams. It's the people and the relationships that you build through what we do that it seems that it outshines the individual games. I mean, the championships and the runs to the finals and the playoff games and all that, they're, they're all wonderful. But it's the people that you meet and the relationships that you have are the things that really seem to last. Uh,
1: you know, you, you, you talk about things like that. And, and since, uh, since ste- stepping back, I have reached out and found a few other old teammates. Um, I still talk to teammates in Italy and Spain. And that—that's the really kind of cool thing. Um, we just uh, have to use the translation device to do it, but uh, that's still cool. Um, but you know, I, I just—I just look at the, all the years and—and and, you know, thirteen seasons with the the Grizzlies, and I can still remember when I first got there, and basically all of us, we'd walk into the arena going, well, "We're going to lose by twenty or thirty tonight." And then a couple of years later, 10 or 20 tonight. And then a year or two later, I think we can get this one. And then it started burning. It, 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 that was that was fun. When when you just you could look at the years and go, okay, average loss of 20, have 15, 10. And then you're, we can do this. And then that's when it became really fun.
0: Yeah. Winning, winning is always, always a lot of fun. Great fun catching up with you, Hank, and uh, all the best to you. And, uh, and we will be in touch. And sooner or later, we're going to get you out to the golf course.
1: Well, I man, I'm I'm about ready. I got to tell you right now. My shoulder's almost better. My kidney stone's gone. I'm be fine. I say I say let's do it next week. You're not going anywhere?
0: No, no, I'm not traveling anywhere. We we just we just have what 40 games in 68 days
1: and three yeah, 3
0: 3 and 4 nights, but uh, we, we we'll get you on the golf course and uh, we'll get know, it. Great to talk to you, Hank.
1: You too, Pete. Thanks so much.
0: Gee, an extra-long edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. It was a great conversation with Hank, and uh, I hate to edit these long conversations because they are so good, and uh, it was a great visit, and I know that there's so many people in and around Memphis and uh, like, like to hear from Hank and uh, haven't heard from him in a while, and I'm, I'm glad we provided the opportunity for people to to hear from Hank. On the Grizz Weekly Grind, which has been brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club, since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City's help young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com and you can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood, it's who we are in Hoop City. That does it for Episode 30 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Our thanks to our sponsors, Garner Framing Company, Hoop City Basketball Club, and, of course, DraftKings for their support. This is Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.